Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Praise the Lord, everyone. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Uh, I came prepared to preach, but let me just talk to you instead. I feel led of the Holy Ghost, and I only want to do what God wants me to do. Is that okay? Amen. So if I can just um, feel after the Holy Ghost and just let the Holy Ghost lead me in these amazing miracle stories that I will talk to you about. One of my favorite miracles that I have been privileged to see happen happened in the country of South Africa. And I was there preaching a healing crusade. And there was maybe 800 people in the auditorium that day. And the power of God was moving for physical healing. And people were being healed. People were being touched all over the building. And I, I'm trying to pray for as many people as I possibly can. I'm standing in a couple of chairs reaching for people. And down the middle aisle, father came carrying his daughter. And she looked like she was maybe nine, ten years of age. She very small, but she was 14. She had had a bone disease now for several years, and her bones were no longer growing. They were suffocating her. Her brain was trying to grow, but her skull was suffocating her brain. Her, her heart and lungs were trying to grow, but her rib cage was suffocating her organs. And now she had gone into a semi-conscious state. And she'd only wake up for short periods of time for necessities of life. And then semi-conscious deep sleep for, for hours on end. And he begins to tell me her story. And as he's speaking this to me, he lifts her up and puts her in my arms. And I'm holding this 14-year-old, but she looks maybe 9, 10 years of age. And I can't think of any pretty words to pray. I can't think of any great verbiage to speak. And I'm overcome with compassion of what she has dealt with in her life and the disease that has taken her life from her. And tears are beginning to run down my face and dripping upon her cute little dress there. And I, I just breathe the name of Jesus. There's something about that name. When you don't have any prayer words to say, there's something about that name. I, just breathing the name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, and I'm holding her there. Tears are running down my face. And as I'm praying for her, I feel something in my arms, a cracking, a popping, a change in her bone structure. I can hear a snapping going on. I, I look at her to see if she's in pain, but she's still in that semi-conscious state. So I just keep breathing the name of Jesus. Jesus, I know, I feel, I hear a miracle is happening right there in my arms. Arms. My faith begins to get stronger, so I'm now I'm speaking with authority the name of Jesus. No other words, just Jesus. 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 There's something about the name of Jesus. It was seven and a half, eight minutes. I did nothing but just speak the name of Jesus. And finally, the cracking, the popping had stopped. I 
noticeably she was heavier at least it seemed to me I went to hand her back to her father she was still in that sleep state but as he began to take her from me she woke up and pushed him aside and for the first time stood on her own two feet grabbed him by the hand and the two of them began to walk around that auditorium Jesus Jesus there's something about the name of Jesus Those that were in the place, some 800 witnesses, they told us this story. They said that as she made her way around the congregation, she was standing and walking beside her dad approximately elbow high. But as they made their way toward the back and toward the front, she had already grown about bicep high until they made their first lap across the front and she was nearing shoulder high on him. That in a matter of 10, 15 minutes at the very most, she had already grown perhaps five, six, seven inches and was nearing her average height. (laughs) There's something about the name of Jesus. Where I have seen most miracles operate is in faith, but in faith that has been started or originated from hunger. Hunger. Hunger moves the hand of God in our behalf. There's a story in the Old Testament about four lepers who were hungry. The city of Samaria was besieged and Everybody inside the city was in famine. They were hungry. But even more hungry were the four lepers outside. And I won't belabor the entire story. I'm assuming most of you know this story. But outside the city, because of their contagious disease, they usually only got to eat scraps that were thrown over the wall. Spare what was extra from the dinner table. But now, inside the city, they were selling donkey's head to eat at astronomical prices. And even dung of a turtle dove was being sold at ridiculous price. They were to the place that they were now even taking their infant children and boiling them to eat them as cannibals. They are starving And if there's no food inside the city, imagine the leftovers that are not coming and have not been coming for the lepers. And so it's hunger that drives them to declare, if we stay here, we're going to die. Can't go into the city. But if we head toward the enemy camp, maybe there's some hope. It's hunger that drives them to be so bold to want to face and to confront the enemy. But I've considered what what would have made them stay where they were at. If hunger caused them to move, what, what would have made them stay? If someone had found a Pizza Hut delivery and threw it over the wall, would just two pieces apiece for this leprous group, would that have caused them to say, okay, we're satisfied now. No need to face the enemy. Would, would a couple pieces of pizza be enough? Or, or could it have been that as they decided to make their journey toward the enemy, they passed a shadow in the wall and realized that there was actually a couple of muscadine grapes growing there. And so they could split two muscadine grapes between the four. Would that, would that have been enough for them to say, man, that wasn't much, but you know what? Final meal 
Now let's just lay down and die. Would that have been enough to curb their hunger? What? What? How much? Just would a pizza, would, would a grape, what, what would have caused them to say that's enough and not face the enemy, not confront their battle? Sometimes in revivals, we have tremendous moves of God and great things happen. Or because we're in revival services or because we're part of a great church like this church is and you hear some of the greatest preaching and teaching and you have some of the greatest worship services. Sometimes it is that we come to revival and we've been eating so well that we're not real hungry for a miracle. And we've been so blessed that we're not hungry for the supernatural and God's been so good to us that we really don't need a healing and he's blessed us so much that our finances are just fine and there's no big circumstance going in our life we're not very hungry and so it seems like we're contented with whatever seems to come by our way whatever slice of pizza is thrown over the wall or perhaps on our journey a grape we find here and there and that sustains us but If there are people that are hungry for God, one of the first things that Jesus mentions in his tremendous sermon on the mount, that Beatitudes, he speaks about those that are hungry now shall be filled. It's the origination of the Beatitudes. It's one of the first concepts of the kingdom of God is that we must be hungry. And if a grape or a piece of pizza would have stopped four lepers, they never would have found the enemy camp deserted, full of gold and raiment and food. And blessed the city of Samaria. You know the, you know the story. Hunger. I don't know how many times that father had had his daughter prayed for, but he came to the service one more time. There had been little miracles that had happened for her week after week, month after month, that God had given her health and hid this area or sustained her in strength in this area. A lot of miracles had happened, but still he came to the service hungry for a miracle. I was, I was scheduled to preach in Madison and this has been several years before and um, I rarely rarely do this but our service revivals would start Sunday morning and instead of flying in Saturday night I had some things in business to take care of and I had an extra flight that it looked like if something happened the first flight I could catch the second flight so I decided I would fly out first thing Sunday morning rarely do that fly out Sunday morning in the pulpit just a couple hours after landing but I'm doing it this morning, several years back. And I began to go down the runway and get on the plane there. And, and the flight attendant is maybe six foot tall. He's got a tr- beautifully groomed goatee and sharp looking black American, sharp looking guy. And, and he looks at me and he says, welcome to your executive jet. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you looks like you're the only one flying. 50 seat CRJ 900 and I'm the only one flying. He said, well, actually, I think there's four or five, but pretty much it's just going to be you guys. And so he said, just go find the seat you want. Everything's going to be fine. I'll come back and get you a coffee or whatever you want in a little while. There there was maybe four, perhaps five of us that got on the jet that day. We left Atlanta flying toward Madison. And this is great for me because I can now, once we get above 10,000, they've released the seatbelt sign. I, I can actually pull down both 
folding trays in the table and spread my Bible and my notes out and I'm just getting fresh for what I'm going to preach in just a couple hours in Madison. And the flight attendant has waited his time and now he's coming back and getting a coffee order here and a, I think a Bloody Mary order from one businessman. Amazing at seven o'clock in the morning what people order and, and, and then he gets to where I am and when he sees my Bible, he stops and he says, you're a preacher, aren't you? And I introduced myself as global evangelist. And he said, well, you know you're not on this plane by accident. That God has put you on this plane. Tears began to run down his eyes. This is a stranger to me. And he's seen me with my Bible. And now after I introduce him, tears are running down his face. And he said, you're not here by accident. I'm so hungry for a word from God. I need to hear a word from God. God has put you on this plane to speak a word to me. He said, just a moment. Let me go get your Diet Coke great breakfast drink that I had a choice of there and and let me take care of these other individuals and I'm going to come right back and you tell me the word that God's speaking to me well he goes off I didn't realize that I was going to have a word for him (laughs) but since he has such great faith I'm praying God if you've got a word for this gentleman, speak to me. Tell me what to speak to him. Tell me what I need to say to him. And the Holy Ghost just began to stir me instantly that it was time for a Holy Ghost message. I needed to just pull out a two-minute Bible study and give it to him real quick about the goodness of the Holy Ghost and how he needed in his life. And so he busied himself taking care of the different ones that were in the plane. And finally, he came back to where I'm at with my Diet Coke. And I cleared off the folding table where he was at. He actually sat down beside me. In them little small seats in the airplane, he turned to me and he said, Okay, preacher, watch the word from God. <laughs> so I said, Here's what God says. I knew it confident only in my spirit, but it's right there in the word of God. God's word. And so I said, God would let you know that you need to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking in tongues. He looked at me, tears are flowing down his face. And he said, you've got to understand, I've not been to church in years. But when I was just a boy, grandma took me to church and she was a tongue talker. He said, I remember this kind of stuff. That grandma used to speak in tongues. And that church, she, she said, I don't even remember where it was. It was one of the places that mom used, grandma used to live here or there or there but they were tongue talkers. He said, I know that's what God is speaking to me. He said, I've got just a moment. I've got to go take care of some things and pick up some different things from, I'm going to be right back. And I want you to pray with me because I'm ready for this gift. So he goes off. We're cruising at 32,000 feet, flying up here. And and he takes care of business. He comes back down and he sets down. He says, okay, tell me what I've got to do. I turned to Acts 2.38 and said, here it is. God says, repent. You know how to repent? His name was Stanley. Stanley said, I think I do. I said, we're going to repent right now. And so I began to just pray and kind of lead him in repentance with my prayer. And I'm I'm saying, oh God, look at us here. Search our hearts. And I'm just beginning to pray repentance. But he is so hungry that he's not trying to keep quiet like I am. He's not worried about the four businessmen on the plane or the pilot that's flying or the co-pilot. But he just lifts up his voice and he says, Oh God, I'm a sinner and I need you like never before. I, I'm praying, but I kind of open an eye and look to see if anybody's looking around. 
got a quick glance from somebody, a couple of seats in front of us, then they ignored us. They weren't worried about what was happening. And if he had that much faith and that much hunger, I would just join him. And so I lifted my voice. And I'm telling you, he began to repent in that plane. There had to be conviction that was falling on the businessmen up there that were getting drunk with their bloody Marys and doing whatever they're doing. We're repenting, and finally there was a lifting of that burden as God began to forgive that sin in his life. I said, okay, now you've got to commit to baptism in Jesus' name. I showed him in the scripture in Acts chapter 8. I showed him where it was spoken in Acts chapter 2, where they did it in Acts chapter 10, where it was also there in 19. I began to show him that he had to be baptized in Jesus' name. He said, I'm going to do that. I said, now you're ready to receive the Holy Ghost. And so we began to pray, gave him a quick Bible study of how to yield to the Holy Ghost. And as I laid hands on his head, right there, we're cruising 32,000 above the clouds. I began to lay hands on him and pray. He was so hungry. He was crying. He was loudly speaking to how much he wanted the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, it was less than two or three minutes that as I began to pray for him, he was speaking other tongues as the Spirit of God give the utterance. Power of God. It doesn't matter if you're in a great, beautiful church building like this or if you're in a restaurant or perhaps in janitor's closet trying to find some privacy at work or or perhaps even in an airplane. If you're hungry, it's amazing what hunger will do. It was already beginning to descend, so he's wiping his eyes and trying to straighten himself up and taking care of last-minute business. And even as he's on the PA system speaking about everybody preparing and putting your seats back up and your tray tables and your seat belt, uh, he actually said on the microphone, and I want you to know I just received the get of the Holy Ghost evidence of speaking in tongues. That's exactly what the four and five of us did. Some of them had no idea what we was clapping for, but... I waited to be the last person off the plane because I needed to make sure he understood how important it was to be baptized and to follow through with that commitment. As I come off the plane, I said, Stanley, you've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. He said, I need a church. I said, where do you live? And he told me, Sacramento, California. And I said, I've got a great friend that pastors in Sacramento. He said, really, where's the church? And I happened to have my directory there, so I began to leaf through it and found it. And I told him where the church was located, and he said, that is six blocks from where me and my living girlfriend live. He said, I'm taking her to church as soon as I get back into town. She's going to receive the Holy Ghost, and me and her and her eight-year-old are going to get baptized in Jesus' name. He said, I'm hungry to live right and to do what I should for God. It's amazing, it's amazing what hunger will do. I was in Winnipeg preaching, and this was back last winter time. Can you believe that I actually accepted an invitation to go preach in Winnipeg at Christmas time? It was 45 degrees below zero. Man, it's so hot here today, I'm telling you, it was 45 degrees below zero. Walking from the house to the car where, of course, they had it plugged in, you, your, your tears would actually, you were crying, believe me, and they'd freeze in the corners of your eyes. You didn't know that you had just a little dribbling from your nose. It's so cold you couldn't tell it, but there on your face you had icebergs. It was crazy. And we're in the middle of that service. They came to church because the heat was on, you know. 
In the middle of that service, there was, a, there was a man there, him and his wife. And for eight years, he had been unable to cry. Literally, his tear ducts had dried up and they were non-functional. His eyes were not only, not only the tears, but his eyes could not water. They had no moisture whatsoever. They had to take his driver's license because it was dangerous for him to drive. He would have to actually close his eyes for hours at a time, and he kept tape with him so that he could keep them taped shut when he needed to. It was severely uh, debilitating his just ability to walk and to get around. And he's in the middle of the service, has not had his tear ducts work in eight years. And just as we're preaching, just as we're singing, just as we're worshiping, tears began to flow down his face. His wife turns and sees him crying the first time in eight years and realizes what has happened. And she starts jumping up and down. It's the middle of service. And she's jumping up and down and she's saying, he's healed, he's healed, he's healed. So we're finding out what's happening and we're hearing the story of eight years that he's not been able to cry. God did a wonderful thing. Great miracles are happening in the place. After the service, they're down in the fellowship hall and we're all eating in fellowship. And, and the wife looks around and cannot find her husband anywhere. He's not fellowshipping with us. She goes back up to the auditorium. He's, he's not there. She goes outside the door, and he's actually 45-degree weather, below zero. He's actually leaning against the walls of the church, tears falling down his face. And I imagine they must have been freezing before they're hitting the ground. And there he is, weeping. And she said, honey, what are you doing out here? It's so cold. And he said, I know it's fellowship time. I didn't want to hinder him by his fellowship. But as long as these tears are flowing, I'm so hungry for this experience with God. I don't want to let it go. And as long as they'll flow, I'm going to sit here and thank God and worship him. And from my hunger, tell him how good he is. She left him out there for quite a while. He came back in. Tears were still flowing. He's even laughing. The tears are still flowing. After two weeks, it measured out. It balanced out. And he was made completely whole. Now, this, this is what's so powerful about this testimony to me. Is that it wasn't cancer that God healed of this man. It's his tear ducts. And maybe if you've dealt with that, that seems like a big deal. But probably to most of us, that seems a little minor, maybe a little minor. But this I know. They tell us, and uh, Brother Wilbur will contest this, that if you are apostolic and if you are fervent in your preaching, that if you preach apostolic style and fervency, it's like... It's like one hour of preaching is like eight hours of manual labor. It's, it's exhausting because it takes it from you physically, spiritually, emotionally, etc. And I, I believe that's true. That's the way I feel. But also, if you minister to people, if, if you have a liberty and God uses you in healings and miracles or words of wisdom, words of knowledge or prophecy, a gift of faith, operate, discern spirit, etc. That, that is very exhausting even to a greater degree. And I see this in the scripture that Jesus, when healings happened, the scripture says that virtue flowed from him. That's, that's not some uh, essence that just comes from the supernatural. All of us have virtue. We, the Bible says that Elijah was a man of like passions. He had the same amount of passions and virtue that we have. And that was exhausting to him. I know this because often after he ministered to the sick and healed them, he would have to separate himself to renew his strength. But Jesus is not ministering to 
just a couple of people. He's feeding 5,000. So with just a lad's lunch, he exhausts himself to feed 5,000 people. And I know he's exhausted because after the meeting, he sends the disciples across the sea, goes to the mountain, renew his strength. And he didn't do that for their healing or to raise their dead or to cure cancer. He did that because they were hungry. He exhausted himself in spiritual ministry because they were hungry. So God shows us how much we care how much he cares, how much he loves, is that even when we're hungry, he feeds us. And if we're hungry for something as simple as migraine headache or pain in our joints or perhaps toenail that's aggravating us, it's not too big and it's not too small. Because Jesus will exhaust himself for something as simple as just feeding you lunch if you're hungry. If you're hungry. I was in the country of Namibia, city of Intuk, and she was paralyzed and they brought her to church. I saw her hunger when they began to tell me her story. For they let us know that she had been to church service after church service in that area. And she'd asked for miracles. She'd asked for healing. And many of the churches told her, we don't believe in healings. Miracles don't happen anymore. But she came to our crusade because she said, you are calling your crusade apostolic. And the apostles believed in healings. And now when she comes into the church, she's explaining, I'm just hungry for a miracle. And she's paralyzed. She has not walked in seven, eight years. And as she comes into the place, I see her hunger. As she doesn't even realize and understand what's happening, but she's lifting her hands. First time, perhaps, in an apostolic service. Others are worshiping, so she's opening her mouth. She's looking around, watching. She's trying her best to do what everybody else is doing and paralyzed somewhere from her waist down. She's worshiping, propped in her seat. After that service, I went back to her and began to speak to her that God wanted to do a miracle in her life. As I laid hands on her to pray, I realized that there was some spiritual possessions that she was dealing with and won't spend a lot of time on that, but it's a very real thing. It's a very real thing. And as I prayed for her and began to rebuke the spiritual possessions, there were seven demonstrations of spirits that came out of her physical demonstration. At the end of that time, she was repenting and God filled her with the gift of the Holy Ghost right there as she was sitting propped in that chair. Beautiful. It's amazing what hunger will do. I began to tell her that God wanted to do a completion of miracle in her physical body as well, that she needed to be baptized in Jesus' name because baptism changes legal ownership. Before you're baptized in Jesus' name, you're owned by your flesh, you're owned by the world, you're owned by your damnable nation, uh, the nature of Adam. But once you're baptized in Jesus' name, now you belong to Christ. You belong to him. You're part of the family of God. You don't legally, you're not owned by your past and the world and your sin, your mistakes. So she came the next service, carried to service. 
ready, prepared to be baptized. When she was baptized that night, they carried her into that little horse trough. After she had been immersed in the name of Jesus, she reached up with her hands as she came out of the water, grabbed onto the pastor's arm, pulled herself up to her feet, and for the first time stood there worshiping God. Now standing on her feet, first time since 2003, seven, eight years ago at that time. She stood there for the first time, shaky legs and strength coming back to her, healing coming back to her. After some time praying again, the Holy Ghost, they had to help her. She was physically exhausted. They helped her get back to the room, and there the ladies helped her to get dried off and modest and proper, and they asked me and pastors to come back, and when we went there, she was laying on the floor, totally spent. So we simply prayed the prayer, Jesus' name, reached down to pick her up. She grabbed her hand and pulled herself up and stood to her feet. Strength had come along with the healing now. And she turned away from us. All of us are there in the room. And she turned away from us and ran toward the door and started running down the aisle of that church, shouting out that she was healed. She was healed. The church is looking astonished. And I watched her as the next 30, 45 minutes, she walked and marched around that church, a proof of what God had done until the church, some 10 minutes later, began to grab onto the miracle. And there was a tremendous explosion of faith and miracles and signs and it's amazing what hunger can do when you've been told no 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 when the church has said it won't happen when religious circles have said it's not going to happen anymore it's hunger that caused her to go to one more service one more time one more situation amazing what hunger Hunger will drive us past our pride and peer pressure. Hunger will drive us past the place where we are in our comfort zone of personality. Hunger will drive us past the place of our experiences and what past has taught us. Hunger will take us to a place where we shall be filled because those that are hungry for God shall be filled. So, Simple message, no great sermon, just a few stories. But I've come to simply ask you on this Thursday, anybody here hungry? Hungry enough that just a blessing or just a touch will not do you today, but hungry enough that you're willing to face your battle to get up from where you're at. If we stay here, we'll die. So why not just be hungry and go? See what God will do. In Jesus' name. Would you stand with me? I imagine that I could stay here all night long and tell you of powerful testimonies that I have seen over the past 17 years of evangelism and even before. All the great miracles of twice in our ministry, I've seen the dead raised. I've literally seen the blind eyes open, the deaf ears unstopped. I've seen cancers eradicated. I've seen God heal sugar diabetes, 
in a moment's time. I've, I've seen God fill people with the Holy Ghost that were strangers to apostolic service. I've seen God fill people with the Holy Ghost that were seeking and praying for it for 18 years and God just fill them. I, I've seen God do tremendous, and I could tell you all these wonderful things, but suffice it to say that in each one of these miracles that I've ever seen, there's somebody that's just hungry. And whether they know a lot about it, whether they understand a lot about it, or whether it's just someone been around it forever, able to get hungry again, it's hunger that originates the miracle and the supernatural. So what about you? Anybody hungry for revival? For your lost son to come back? For your husband's heart to be melted? You're hungry for supernatural healing in your physical body or healing for your sister, your brother, or are you just kind of feeling okay with the experiences and the blessing and the goodness we have? You're just not sharp pains of hunger. You're, you're all right. You can, you can go a little longer. You don't really need. But if you can become hungry, there's a Jesus that will exhaust himself for even something as simple as feeding you lunch. Hungry for God? You shall be filled. Lord Jesus, I feel so inadequate here today. But I've tried my best to obey. Simply speak about a hunger. Great faith in this church and great faith in those that are in this place. And many did not make their way out on this off-service night, but those that are here, obviously, they love you. They've made the sacrifices. They've cleared their schedule. They, they made sure they were here. But would you let us be more than just faithful and loyal? And Would you allow us on this Thursday night Get a fresh hunger for your presence, for your touch, for your Holy Ghost outpouring, for your miracles, for your healing, for your gifts of the Spirit to flow in this house. In the name of Jesus. You feel that hunger? Would you just right where you're standing just begin to lift up hands of hunger and begin to pray out of a hunger? Would you ask God to let that hunger become stronger? That you need to have sharp pains of hunger today for what you're asking Him for. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hungry God. We're hungry God. We're hungry God. 
Some are not worried about formal invitation. They're already making their way to an altar. That's, that's hunger. <laughs> In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If you want to make your way, that's fine. I, I want to minister just a few people as they're coming. Let hunger bring you, not just routine, not tradition, but if you got something you're hungry about. <laughs> In the name of Jesus. atmosphere right there. Let me minister to just a few people. to a few individuals in the place as we're getting our hunger strong. I know this only in the Holy Ghost, my brother. But I see in your spirit that there's been a great battle against your mind and against your emotions. Because even in church, you've seen things and you've experienced things that have brought hurt and brought confusion to you. There's no doubt that you love God. There's no doubt there's a call anointing powerful upon your life. And God is shaping your journey and bringing you to where you need to be. But there's just that friction because of what you've seen and the, the fight to not be cynical about the things of God and the fight to not be hurt about the things of the past. But I declare fresh into your spirit a new healing a new clarity of mind and I speak a fresh anointing coming to your spirit that we receive it even now by the authority of the word of God by the power of the name of Jesus I just feel to say let your hunger let your hunger let your hunger that's all right. let your hunger my sister has given me permission to speak this Holy Ghost has showed me terrible abuse in your past it's tremendous faith that she would let me speak these things and she becomes very vulnerable among you it's her faith that's making her vulnerable and how even those that you trusted and loved abused took advantage made you the victim and it seemingly would be easier to just act like it didn't happen and try to forget. But it leaves you incomplete. You're not whole. There's yet a piece of your heart that you leave.
protected and behind walls. And people can only get so close and you can only give so much because of wounds of your spirit. But God doesn't want you to ignore it. He wants you to get in his presence. And as you're in his presence, to take his nail-scarred hands and the love that's coming to you right now in his presence and take them back to that experience and be honest and be open and be real. I don't want to feel this way, Jesus. I don't like the feelings that are upon me. I don't like this experience. I don't like the hatred, the feeling of being a victim, the helplessness, the hopelessness. I don't like this bitterness, this unforgiveness that would try to steal my heart. So I'm taking you to this experience. Heal me. Make me whole. In the name of Jesus. I prophesy to you, my sister, that this is a journey that God has you on. And as you take him to that place, little by little, as a healing that will happen to you to such a degree that you will stand before those who have been hurt. And your testimony and your witness will be one that looses them. And God will use you in healings. He will use you in miracles of those who have found abuse in their past. Indeed, I tell you, it's why there's such compassion in your heart for others. And you're feeling burdened even now for this individual beside you. So let the deep burden of your heart begin to speak as you pray intercession. The only way you can go to that place is hunger. It's, it's the only way you'll let yourself go to that place of vulnerability. It's hunger. There's a generational anointing upon you, young lady. A powerful generational anointing. Somebody has dug out an anointing in the former generation. Powerful prayer, powerful faith. It's resting upon you, not, not because of all the things you've done or the separation you have or because of the experiences you've had, but God is looking at the covenant of a former generation and choosing to let it settle upon you. But it's being married with your own hunger. And it's not just a generational anointing and mantle, but it's, it's a double portion because from the former generation and this generation, God is preparing you powerful work. Already charisma is upon you. God uses you. People are naturally attracted to you. You're a soul winner, so I'm preaching from the place of your hunger. Let your hunger drive you to a place of boldness. Let your hunger drive you to a place of great boldness. And let your testimony be made strong. And speak and pray for people even outside these four walls as God gives you a desire. Your soul winner, your soul winner, your soul winner. It's your hunger calls you to be that bold. I speak fresh strength upon your physical body, my sister. Fresh strength. And the battle that has come against your physical body and the sickness that has come against you. I'm rebuking right now by the authority of the Word of God. That Word gives me the authority to rebuke it because Jesus Christ went to a whipping post and He took stripes so that healing would happen right now in 2013 for this physical body. So I stand on the authority of that Word and I speak healing, virtue to flow, and physical strength even now. That's hunger. That's hunger. 
That's hunger that activates that. general here I don't need to make her very vulnerable but I see just tremendous friction in her home life and she's looking for peace and direction and asking God for a change for a change in the circumstance and situation anybody got a hunger to see something happen in this young lady's life in her home, would you just stretch a hand and from that place of hunger? Because as you speak in tongues, you build up your most holy faith, praying the Holy Ghost. I speak for that faith to be built up in you right now. In the name of Jesus, build up your faith. It's from that place of hunger you respond. It's from that place of hunger you respond. In the name of Jesus. Anybody hungry? It's amazing what hunger will do. It's amazing what hunger will do. I want to turn the ministry loose all over this altar area. And if you would allow us as we sing and worship and begin to lift our voices toward God, would you give us just another 15, 20 minutes to lay hands on people all over this altar, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, all over this altar, there's still healings and miracles. Would would you from that place of hunger, 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 hunger begin to let your faith be seen would you do that join us in the front would you and just let hunger right now ministry would you help us church would you find somebody to pray with maybe just a brother to a brother a sister to a sister let the Holy Ghost use you right now let let your hunger reach out to be a blessing for somebody else whisper his name Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.